You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. To crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. Welcome in to The Scoop, the number one UNC football recruiting podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. All right, welcome into the scoop. As I said, the number one UNC football recruiting podcast. I am your main host, Ross Martin, joined by the the one and only football recruiting guru, Don Callahan. What's going on, Don? Uh, not too much. High school football scrimmage to start today. I do have a question. For All right, you. let's get into it. How um how did we become the number one? recruiting podcast like because no no one else covers no one other no one else does a recruiting podcast on unc only unc football you sure i think there's at least one out there we probably probably have the most listens all right i just wanted to know (laughs) all right Uh, always electric intro with don bringing the heat (laughs) uh we're recording on monday sorry on wednesday morning this will probably be um available on thursday uh, I think it's when John's going to release it. We got a lot to talk about. We have a big, big interview at the end of the show. But first, we're going to kind of get into the updates of UNC football recruiting. A couple of players of note that UNC is going after that are going to be making decisions fairly soon. We're also going to talk about a couple guys that UNC missed out on and what that means for the Tar Heels as they try to wrap up this 2023 class, which I think sits at, is it 15 or 16, Donald? Um, I think 15 recruits is what I'm going to go with. Um, oh, yeah. 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 15 recruits. Yep. But uh, let's get right into it. Waste no time. And for those listening right now, we have an interview at the end of the show, about 45 minutes or more even with Jeff Schottmer, UNC former uh, former starting linebacker for the Tar Heels, former um, UNC graduate assistant and what an analyst for a couple of years played under Larry Fedora. Coached under Larry Fedora for a year, and it was also on the staff with Mac Brown for three years, and has since left the program, uh, moved to Texas, and we have him on the pod for a really extensive interview. We cover all stuff from his career, Gene Chizik to Jay Bateman to UNC's defense to standout players to recruiting. Um, so just make sure to stay on a really good interview. Don, quickly your thoughts on the interview, just to kind of give the the listeners a little tease. Yeah, it was a great interview. He's he's good because um, he has such a unique perspective on a lot of things, including and we go into it with with um, uh, Bateman and, and Chiswick, as you kind of mentioned, just kind of comparing them and giving. Yeah. I think it would be good for for listeners as far as just just learning stuff. Yeah, and when I covered him when he was a linebacker, he was always a great interview. He's very thorough. Um, mm-hmm. He gives great answers. 
and he knows what he's talking about. So, like, he is a great resource because he knows the game of football. He's able to articulate it in a way that's understandable. And so we get into, you know, some X's and O's stuff as well, um, and it, it's awesome. So make sure you stay tuned to the Jeff Schottmer interview. I think you will enjoy it. All right, Dom, right now, sitting August 10th, what's going on with UNC football recruiting? Let's get a quick kind of overall what's going on right now. So we're kind of the way that things kind of fall with the way the calendar is set up now is July and August have become those months where where guys are, are making their announcements. You know, there were some visits late last week or late last month, but besides that, no visits. It's the the announcements even have kind of slowed down this month, mostly because everybody's starting football. You know, as I mentioned, you know, scrimmages are allowed in North Car- the state of North Carolina high school level starting today. They've been practicing. UNC obviously has been practicing. So that's the main focus. And some of these guys, they had their decision made or they want to get their decision made. And uh, they just have specific dates that they're targeting for whatever reason, whether there's a birthday or whether family's going to be in town on that time or whatever it may be. And so we're just kind of waiting for those dates to come so they can announce their, their decisions. So there's not like there's not a lot of visits, right? Can you visit? No, right no, now? no visits. No we're, visits. We're in the summer dead period. Yeah. So the focus is obviously training camps. You're getting more announcements. People playing announcements. People already announced. So it is kind of a time for Don to breathe. You've been going to a lot of schools. You did a big Charlotte tour, which was um, which is the main focus of your weekly scoop. Yeah. You're going, and you've been going to, to you know you will be going to scrimmages. Yeah. Over three thousand words. Ben the, was um, <laughs> Ben was overwhelmed when he had to prove that. Yeah, so uh, a good time for Don to breathe and really get to know the upcoming players in the 24-25 class while solidifying what's going on in 23 for the Tar Heels. All right, let's get into it further. UNC recently has missed out on three recruits that you wanted to kind of highlight. Again, this is Don highlighting the players that UNC missed out on. (laughs) This is not Don highlighting. This is just wanting to kind of officially close the door on some of these situations because I know that yeah, we don't. I mean, there's not a whole lot of point in us like covering when a guy commits somewhere else. But it changes the board and it yeah, it opens has a up huge things, effect. Opens up, they have to now go for another player in that position. All right, it, sh- all right, let's start. You're good. Well, you especially it? at these positions, at these particular recruits that you have listed down, because Ross has listed down, because uh, some of them, North Carolina was kind of counting on being part of the class. Now they have to go to their plan B. Yeah, thus is the life of college football recruiting. All right, Braden Marshall, he's a defensive back, safety or corner? I, I guess we'll, we'll say corner. Okay. Corner Mar- nickel, yeah. Braden Marshall committed to UCF picking the Golden Knights, I believe, over the Tar Heels. Yes. What, ha- what happened there? Well, the interesting thing is, is that his final three was UNC, Nebraska, Wisconsin. No <laughs> mention of UCF. Yeah. But we were receiving information way back in June, even coming out of his official visit, to watch out for UCF. And I've been mentioning, you know, UCF, yes, I understand. They're a group of five program, but it's a group of five program that has received a, a, a lot a lot of money has been, been put into that program the last couple of years. They're moving to the, the Big 12, and uh, Gus Malzahn's there, and he's used to these heavyweight recruitments. And they've been doing a really good job of making the the uh, prospects close to their campus a priority. And Marshall was an example of that. He ended up committing to UCF 
on, I guess it was a couple weekends back, but he was a guy that North Carolina had a really good shot at I me. Mean, North Carolina was probably finished second, which is probably when you finish second, recruiting is probably worse than fi- finishing last, to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, so you know, he played a little bit of a game with all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, and pick UCF. Great. All right. And then Shelton Lewis, just to stay on defensive backs, he's a corner that was committed to Pitt. He picked Clemson recently, I think maybe a day or two ago. Yeah. Um, Shelton Lewis was a target. He visited UNC. What happened there? Uh, committing to the Tigers, which will now with those two guys, it affects UNC's uh, defensive backs recruiting board for this class. Yeah. So as you mentioned, he, he committed to Pitt during an early official visit. He went on to still take officials, I think, to Arkansas, North Carolina, came out of the North Carolina official visit saying he's down to UNC and Pitt. A week later, he decommitted from Pitt, which would make you think North Carolina. That's what everyone kind of assumed. Behind the scenes, Clemson was talking to him. Mm. He made this somewhat, I guess, secret. I don't know if you want to call it secret, but but it wasn't really advertised uh, visit for the uh, cookout that they have there. He was one of two uncommitted prospects there. He received a scholarship offer while he was there, and that basically sealed it for the Tigers ultimately. Um, and North Carolina kind of once once Clemson offered, North Carolina kind of knew because it was a school that that you know his dream school, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Pat Narduzzi's pissed about the decommitment. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the UNC coaches he never committed to UNC, but UNC coaches are a little um, discouraged as well. Okay, so how does that affect UNC? We're both cornerbacks. Sorry, Lewis and. Shelton cornerbacks. Yeah. I mean, the way that Warren recruits is he goes for a bunch of corners. I mean, you have to be pretty special to be a, a pure safety and for him to recruit you. And the reason being is you could, you bring a guy on campus. If, if he could, if he can't play corner, then you move him to safety. You can't go the opposite direction. So, I mean, he actually, if anything, he makes more of a, I guess looks for certain guys for the nickel position as opposed to safety. But so, yeah, so, I mean, this is a, is a cornerback. Both of them are cornerbacks for North Carolina's purposes. And, um, you know, UNC, I guess has what, um, oh, and they, they actually, we didn't even talk about it. Yeah, they lost yeah. a cornerback. Yeah. So they have 14 um, Zach commitments Toby. now. Yeah. So UNC has 14 commitments now. A cornerback, Zachary Toby, decommitted over the weekend. Don broke that news, I think. So UNC has Trey Miller committed. Out of Oklahoma, of course, as UC does. <laughs> Caleb Costs out of Georgia. And that's it for DB. And then, yeah, because they lost. And the, goal, and the it, goal is to sign a full secondary. Okay, so three corners and two safeties? Well, five DBs. Okay. It's just easier just yeah, to yeah, say five DBs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay, so. All these guys, and they get so sensitive if, if you say safety and, and uh, they're being recruited as a cornerback. Yeah, I got you. Okay, so what happens now? They've lost Toby. What happened with Toby real quickly? Zachary Toby decommitted from the Tar Heels. You know, I guess um, basically there was yeah, – they mutually parted ways. Huh. And the next day that he uh, – the next day Toby – It's never mutual. Never, a little dating analogy here. It's never mutual. Never I truly actually, mutual. I don't know about that. I had a long-term girlfriend. Dated her for, I think, five years. And we just decided we'd be better off friends. We stayed. We're for a long, for a while there. We were best friends. We mutually we lived together and everything. We mutually decided, hey, we're just friends. Wait, wait, wait. so you dated for five years? Yeah, dated for five years. We how, lived how old? How old were you? So I was in college most of that time. So UNC Charlotte. Yeah. And then you dated after college. 
Yeah, we actually lived together in college. We moved to Cary together, had a place, lived in Cary, and then just decided, hey, you know, this is we're better off just friends. And you kept living together. No, well, no, but we lived we lived in the same apartment complex for a year or so, and then she eventually moved back to Charlotte. And then you two were good friends during that whole time. Yeah, but I mean, we would do things like she would go feed my cats when I was gone, um, all that sort of stuff. How many cats do you have? I mean, I've had, I guess, five through the years. Just have yeah. two now. I'm not sure if I'm surprised or not surprised you're a cat guy. <laughs> Animals love me. Yeah. Um, beings. Beings love me. You know, I would love to do a spinoff of The Scoop and have oh, yeah. Don's ex-girlfriends on. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously everyone has some upset ex-girlfriends, but I think the majority of them, you know, everything's been cool. I thought, yeah, I got away from this guy. The, the only one would probably be my, um, the one I got to deal with the most is my daughter's mother. But, you know, yeah, and we're cool. But, uh, you know, from my understanding, she hates me. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I, I've heard from the grapevine. Nothing directly to me, but. Dating and married to Don is just, you got to just understand he's going to be in the, the man tower eating bean, <laughs> bean covered nachos for multiple hours with five screens betting betting five bucks per game on the most random sports while wearing <laughs> Phillies and Flyers gear. Uh, all right, back to it. All right. <laughs> what would we call that show? Don's, Don's exes. Don's uh, exes. A story of love and hate. Um, okay. So where did you... We need to get Ross's exes. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to talk about that. Yeah, not enough... Not enough, uh, not not enough, enough time? Not enough time to cover those. Um, and not enough screens. We'd have you can only have so many people on um on a Zoom call. All right. Um, where does UNC turn now at defensive backs? We're like talking about dating and relationships, and you know, your mo- the the mother of your child. It's like, all right. Well, where are we going to turn now for UNC's defensive backs recruiting well, in the class and then, of two thousand? Where's my mug? No, that's it. What's that? Gen- feminist. Uh, fe- yeah, feminist. <laughs> We're pro feminist. We're a big feminist show. Yeah, female is my favorite sex. <laughs> by far I, mean, I, I consider myself a feminist um why would you not all right um where does unc turn for defensive backs recruiting in the class of 2023 so i'm going i know that we're going to get to well let, let's just finish the last one and then because i'm going to wrap them together okay Nicely. uh and the last person unc missed out on was marky anderson offensive lineman from south carolina of course his buddy dj geth committed to the tar heels they're from the same high school um, but Marky Anderson, that was, you know, his dad went to South Carolina. Is that right? Um, I don't know if his dad went to South Carolina, but but I mean, it was. Oh, no, sorry. DJ Guest's dad went to UNC. Yeah. Marky yeah. Anderson was always a, a, a game. Yeah, cock yeah that, this one wasn't much of a surprise. I mean, there was some some worry, I guess, from the South Carolina writers. But beyond that, I mean, this was everyone kind of assumed this is going to South Carolina. Forgot another offensive lineman, um, Stanton Ramil. He committed to Michigan State. But both of those situations are kind of sort of the same. North Carolina had a little bit of an outside hope with both of them. And they both ended up going elsewhere, which was kind of sort of expected. And so that leaves, you know, offensive line is a little bit better of a situation because UNC only really needs one more guy for this class. Uh, DB, they need three. The good thing is, is that there's tons of DBs out there. You know, especially yeah. in the areas that Warren likes to recruit in Georgia and Florida. So the game plan here to kind of fill these needs, because if you go look on Inside Carolina's recruiting board, uh, there's 
no uncommitted guys. Um, although UNC just offered for an offensive lineman uh, last night. But um, beyond that, the plan is going to be, you know, the season starting up soon in, in just a couple of weeks, high school season. The plan is to get film on guys, evaluate those guys. There are going to be overlooked players, late bloomers, especially at the offensive line. Um, there's going to be, you know, players at the defensive line that are overlooked and all that sort of stuff. And UNC is going to try to, 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 you know, jump on that and, and fill the board out with those sort of guys. Okay. Like I always say, DBs grow on trees, but any names you want to, any names you want to say for. I mean, there's really nothing. Cause it's okay. so like from, from what I've gathered, they have like a dozen names for each position that they have their eye on. But that list is going to grow and shrink and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, the film is going to dictate just ultimately who gets offered. Okay. I mean, the one name on the message board has been brought up is Chris Peel. But, I mean, there's a chance that they don't, you know, you know, don't go on him. Yeah. All right. Cool. We're going to talk about Kevin Concepcion, Devin Hobbs, and Joshua Horton after the break and then get to the Jeff Schottmer interview. But first, I want to talk about Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your one-stop shop for all UNC apparel. Remember, right on Franklin Street and online at giantteacher.com. And, of course, inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off with the discount code found on the Tar Pit Premium and UNC Basketball Premium message boards. Johnny T-shirt and giantteacher.com. The season is right around the corner. Get your kids, get your wife, get your husbands. A Carolina T-shirt, a football jersey, a basketball jersey, hats, gear, sweatshirts, crew neck, hooded, pullover, everything you need and everything you need for the tailgate. It's all at Johnny T-shirt. Support local. If you're going to get gear, don't go to the, the chains. There's a couple chains on Franklin now. Alumni Hall. Not to, I shouldn't even mention the competitors. But don't support these, these corporations, yeah. these chains. Where oh. they, have, they have stores in every college town. Let's get the local, local spots, alumni owned, um, locally owned. And of course, they support a locally owned uh, website and podcast sh show called Inside Carolina. So Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Remember, use that 10% off discount code and save a little cash. Stop by on game day if you're in town or go online. Great customer service. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. A couple of national ads and we're back to talk about some positives of, or not pauses, but guys that are making decisions relatively soon that UNC is still in on. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back. What's up, Don? All right, we got three names here we're going to talk about. Remember to check out Don's we week. Hey, we're going to get killed for, for being so negative early on. I don't care. Um, I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, all right. bashing us for doing our job. Yeah. Um, uh, we got three names that you broke down on the weekly scoop. There's a bunch of other info in there, but these are three names that stood out to me. Um, the first one I think is, is the name I recognize the most, and that's Kevin Concepcion. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay, I'm pulling up his profile, not Kevin Costner. Kevin Concepcion. 
He's French. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and he visited. I, saw, I got eyes on him. He visited UNC during that first open practice scrimmage. Um, 5'11", 173 from Chambers High School in Charlotte. Chambers used to be called what? Uh, Vance High School. That's right. Miles Dorn. Uh, Three-star, 465 in the nation, 56-ranked wide receiver. Uh, three crystal ball predictions, all for the mighty Wolfpack. Don, what is your thoughts? What's going on with with um, with KC? Hey, um, you just brought up a, a memory. I think. Did you go to Vance Dorn? Vance Dorn's announcement. Yes, v- you mean okay. Miles Dorn's announcement? Miles Dorn, Miles Dorn's announcement. I'm just trying. I feel like you were there. Yeah, I was there. I remember uh, Coach Warren and um, and Gunner were there. Coach Brewer. Where were they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. They were in town. They were in town for UNC playing South Carolina. Gotcha. Wow. Good memory. I definitely didn't remember that. I vaguely remember you being there. But anyway. um, Oh, okay. So, KC, as you mentioned, he went to that open practice. I think, I don't know, maybe the details don't matter too much. But um, the day prior, he was at the Alpha Wolf camp at NC State. And... He went to, as you know, when he when he showed up to, well, when did he show up to UNC's practice? The very end. The very end. And what was interesting, because I, I went to his practice a couple of days later to talk to him, and he mentioned that he really didn't get a chance to spend any time with the players. He spent some time with, with Coach Lonnie Galloway, um, had a conversation with Mac Brown and his wife, but it seemed like he didn't spend a whole lot of time at UNC. Uh, but I did think that, you know, coming so late it wasn't a good look, especially if you're trying to read everything and anything into it to try to de- decide where this kid is going to end up. Where do, you um, spend, where do you spend the night that night? You know, I don't know. I know in the past he, that when he has done similar things, he stayed with Lex Thomas, who lives in Wake Forest. But I don't know specifically in this situation has where he stayed at. Has Lex Thomas actually hit on a recruit, though? Because all the guys that hang with Lex Thomas, like one guy committed to Ohio State. Yeah, the I mean, the only one that maybe is um, now I'm forgetting his freaking name, the safety over there at uh, Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, but anyway, where everybody's like, oh, Lex Thomas, like it's awesome, he's right there. Everybody says it's like, well, he doesn't. None of those recruits commit to you, so it's just like they're using him for free lodging. <laughs> you know, it's like maybe, maybe like, it's just how, a, yeah. yeah, maybe it's just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Um, the weekly scoop does go into detail with a lot of this stuff. You know, I talked to a lot of different people, you know, obviously at Chambers High School, but, you know, Casey Concepcion is known pretty well in that area. And so there's some, some, um, a lot of details on just what I kind of gathered. You know, basically he's scheduled to announce on the 19th, which is not this Friday, the following Friday. And uh, he's down North Carolina and NC State. You know, most people, I think basically everyone doesn't know for certain what he's going to do. And I think that's because Casey told me himself, he doesn't know for certain what he's going to do, but, um, the next Friday from he's announced. Yeah. A week from this Friday. All right. I I want to pick out this quote that you got from someone from your scoop. It goes, if he picks UNC, it will be because they put wide receivers in the league and they have a great offense. Well, that's actually from him. Okay. So oh, I did this, got whole, it, got it, if got you got pick it. UNC, if you pick NC State and all that. If he picks NC State, it'll be because they work hard. And it's a family-type atmosphere, or it's a family-type environment. <laughs> that was kind of funny. 
because they work hard. Like, okay. Um, yeah. All right. Moving on. Kevin Concepcion, anything else to add? No, just, you know. That's a big, that's a big recruitment, right? That, that would finish off UNC's wide receiver hall for this class if he picked the yeah. Tar Heels, right? I think, yeah, I think UNC's finished at wide receiver, um, but this would be a great addition. Got it. How many wide receivers do they have right now, then? Three. You got, you got Hamilton, you got Culliver, and oh, no, they have two. That's right, because you got Paul Billups committing later on this month. To who? To either North Carolina or Michigan State or whoever his did finalists Don, are. Did Don just give something <laughs> out right there on the scoop? That's what we bring, baby. All right. Uh, Devin Hobbs is the next guy. Devin spelled with an A-E-V-I-N. It's actually Davon. Oh, Dave. Dave. Davon. Dave in. Dave in. Dave Okay. Jesus. Okay. That makes sorry. more sense. Dave and Hobbs. That's my bad. I'm sorry to the Hobbs family. Defensive line, uh, 6'4, 262. Pretty high ranked kid from J.M. Robinson High School in Concord. I had some buddies actually go there. Um, four star, 138 in the nation, and number 20 defensive lineman. So he would be, if he committed to the Tar Heels, he would be the highest ranked commitment. Would he really? Yeah, he, yeah, they gave him a huge bump. He'd be higher he than Jabron. Yeah, I was actually when I submitted him to the rankings committee. You know, I I recommended four star. I did not think they were going to give him a four star because I think at that time North Carolina was his best offer. He didn't have any other real offers. But credit to them. You know, I the things that they value obviously are size, athleticism, and they really love when they play multiple sports. And this is the kid who played basketball his entire life has a great frame. Good looking kid. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. So, what's going on with his recruitment? When's he announcing all that stuff? So, so his recruitment was kind of like we knew exactly what was going on. He was going to announce on August 1st. All signs pointed to North Carolina being the case. He kind of hinted at that. I, I read a story on him on Monday. Definitely read that. That goes into detail. And obviously, this has a little bit additional. Well, this in the weekly scoop, I give a little bit more of my thoughts on it. Okay. But, um, now it's just he canceled that. Obviously, he plans on taking official visits and, and other visits during the season. So things are completely wide open, you know. So um, he took officials to Auburn and North Carolina in in June. Has three official visits left. Two two visits have basically kind of been given to schools, and then he has the, the fifth is kind of a little bit up, up for grabs. And I think some of that has to do with what Clemson, if Clemson offers or not. Gotcha. But yeah, this has turned into like a race of, of, you know, national title contenders. Alabama's involved. Uh, Georgia's involved. Tennessee's involved. I know they're not a national title contender, but um, Clemson's involved. So uh, Ohio State's sniffing around a little bit too. So it, it definitely has um, amped up, you know, really, you know, the last couple of months. All right. David Hobbs. Yeah. Big time name. I didn't really didn't realize he was that big time of a recruit. But well, he didn't. He wasn't for a long time. And then he actually I mean, UNC offered in in April. And then, you know, in June, while we talked about most 23s aren't going to camp. Well, he camped. He camped at, at Alabama, got an offer, uh, camped at uh, Tennessee, got an offer, camped at Clemson. And they put him on the board because they don't just throw offers out. Camped at Georgia in July, got an offer there. So he basically has, you know, turned his profile into, you know, a national recruit, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right, David Hobbs out of Concord, um, announcing way a long time from now, right? October, November, is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, 
depending on when his official visits actually get taken and all that, it, it's it's looking like we're ways away from him, for him. Okay, good stuff there. All right, and next guy before we get into the Shotmer interview is Joshua Horton. I remember his name, a Georgia kid. As I pull up his profile, got a lot of things going on right now. So, you know, sometimes it takes a little longer to pull up stuff. Got like freaking 30 windows open. All right, Langston Hughes High School? Yes. Langston Hughes. Is that a poet? It is. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Of course you wouldn't know that. All right, defensive lineman, 6'5", 290. Uh, you know, uh, 24-7 sports, three-star, 836 in the nation. Uh, 96-ranked defensive lineman from Fairborn, Georgia. Langston Hughes High School, great size, 6'5", 290. What's going on with him, Don? So, initially... You know, he took his official visits, North Carolina, UCF, Auburn, said he was going to, going to take additional official visits during the season. And then I guess it was a week ago or so, tweeted out, I'm committing on also on, on August 19th, his three finalists, North Carolina, Auburn, and UCF, which is a complete change. North Carolina, that, that means North Carolina received the final recruiting visit, which I think bodes well because I think he went into that not – not having high expectations for North Carolina and it completely blew him away. I think UCF that, that name again um, mm -hmm. is probably UNC's greatest threat here because he has a great relationship with, I think it was the D line coach. Uh, but I, I really think that the timing works towards UNC's benefit here. Okay. Uh, say, say again, when he was going to announce, sorry, I was looking up Langston Hughes, August 19th, who, oh. who is um, the same day as, as KC. Who, gotcha. uh, so who is Langston Hughes? Langston Hughes, James Mercer Langston Hughes was an American poet, social activist, novelist, playwright, and columnist from Missouri. Um, okay. Very famous. He, he was around the New York area, but died in 67. So kind of an older, he died pretty young, 66, RIP. Langston Hughes. So there's a, George, there's a high school in Georgia named after him. How about that? Okay. So we got a couple names that are watched. I hope someone names a high school after me. <laughs> Don Callahan High School. The high school for football recruiting analysis. Can you imagine if you want to be a a, a college a college football a high school football recruiting analyst and reporter, come to Don Callahan High School. Well, what would Ross Martin High School? Well, be? how about this? What would you serve for lunch there? Oh man, that's good. It'd be healthy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just refried beans with cheese and beef. We could start like a university, a Ross Martin University, for a salamander hunting. <laughs> You can you could train all the teachers and all. Yeah. All right. Anyway, catch and release. Anything else you want to say? Would be, the slogan would be catch and release. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Anything else you got, Don? No, I'm I'm excited to get to um to the interview. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk much about the team stuff here. Look, we're two weeks into training camp now. We're less than three weeks away from the season. Um, they closed practice on Monday. So we didn't get it. We haven't seen the team for over a week now. Um, Why they close practice? Because I know there were some. There was, an, there was an injury. There was, I, we don't know. Max said they, Max response when I asked him on Monday, because they did open it up for Max to talk to us. Um, Max said that they just don't feel good about a couple position groups. They want us to, when they want us to see them when they have a more solidified depth chart and kind of know who the starters are. So they don't want to put us out there and for us to be guessing who the starters are because they're rolling out multiple people at multiple position groups. Wait, did you – what were your thoughts on, on that response? 
I think it was about uh, some BS. Okay. Um, but I mean, what's the point of opening practice if you're not going to let us look at the who's competing? That's the whole point of it. Like he was like, we want to take the pressure off you so that you don't have to. You're not confused as to who is the depth chart. It was like, well, the whole point of us going out there is for us to see that there's three people competing at safety, three people competing at you know, yeah, right guard, but whatever. I mean, it's whatever. It yeah, it's the thing that always frustrates me. I was talking to a coach who's not in North Carolina, um, and just we just talk about the media, and I'm like, dude, like first of all, as as a member of the media, we're we can be lazy. And so if you just hand deliver us stuff such as opening up practice, that gives us gives them something to write about. But if you close practice all the time, then they have to start digging. Yeah. And usually when they start digging, they don't find like great stories. They find stories that aren't so good. But if you give them something, they'll they won't dig. They'll just go <laughs> to the practices and you're keeping them occupied. Just do that. But and, so the whole like Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I because I, I love what Max said about the whole like, yeah, I'm going to tell what quarterback is going to be because really it doesn't matter. It's not going to change the preparation for um, FAU. Um, I love that mentality because that's what I think. I mean, who like does who starting at right guard? Does that really matter all that much? You know, I, but all- so, so what it does is it starts rumors as to why you close practice. Yes, you have you have, mess- you have message boards like InsideCarolina.com where people were throwing out rumors as to why. So now you have questions. So now we're like, all right, well, was there some sort of serious injury? Is there something X, Y going on? Yeah. I mean, is, um, has someone transferred? Um, are there a bunch of injuries or a bunch of people missing for some reason? Um, so I don't know if any of those are founded. I checked on some stuff, you know, but I checked with people that protect UNC. Ultimately, they're going to protect UNC over telling me something. Yeah. So, um, who knows? I mean, it might, it might really be nothing. I don't know. Yeah. But he did say that they're going to open it up again closer. So hopefully, get maybe something next week. Yeah. Um, because it'd be nice to see the quarterbacks. And, but maybe that. But maybe that was it. Maybe they're giving one of the quarterbacks a, a majority of the snaps right now. It could be that. So that's something they maybe just don't want to get out. But um, whatever, man. It's it's a grind, man. It's been it's, busy it's here. It's just uh, the whole like secrecy, man, especially when. Yeah. All these coaches do in the offseason is go to clinics where don't they give me, all their secrets out. Yeah, don't get me started. Um, college football coaches treat their team and the scheme and players like freaking FBI, CIA, state secrets. Yeah. And you got to realize, I get it's your job and I get it. It's very important to you. But chill out, man. Like, yeah, it's football. You're running yeah. a inflated pigskin across white lines on grass like let's have fun with it man like yeah it should be fun for everybody when you limit the media you limit fan access yes you you make people curious and questioning what's going on Mm -hmm. and um you should you know we are a the media is how you connect with fans Mm -hmm. it's how you um how fans get to know things about the team how you build up interest and when you close it off like coaches do fedora and and now a little bit of mac brown um i don't maybe i'll hear about this later from some people but um yeah we're just it, it, does, it doesn't open the- you don't get photo we don't have photos we don't have photos of the players now so fans don't know what's going on we don't have video we don't have quotes from you know we don't have observations we can't give our opinion on what's going on which it just limits fan interest and for a program like unc that needs as many fans as possible in this day and age where you have ohio state alabama georgia tennessee south carolina with massive massive fan bases getting more and more money for university UNC football needs to be as open as possible to build up interest um, 
because they need fans because that's 12 p.m. on a freaking Saturday. I walk into Keene Stadium for a game and it's freaking 35 percent full with Grandma Johnson sitting there uh, and, you know, some family members. But they need to drum up interest. And that a lot of the ways you do that is through is through media and other avenues. I love it. I agree with a lot of it. All right. Jeff Schottmer's coming up next. Uh, awesome interview. Uh, it's 45 minutes long, so lock in, but there's a lot of good stuff on there. And then we'll, we'll pop back in after the interview, talk about it briefly and close out the podcast. Sound good, Dom? Yeah. Are we going to tell my cat story? Sure. <laughs> All right. Former UNC linebacker, uh, former UNC graduate assistant and analyst and current oil tycoon, Jeff <laughs> Schottmer. Here he is. All right, welcome back to the Scoop Podcast, brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We have a very special guest introducing former UNC linebacker, former UNC staff member, uh, Jeff Schottmer, live from Dallas. What's going on, Jeff? What's up, fellas? How are we doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) I mean, we asked each other at the same time. Uh, I'm I'm doing good. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, Yeah. For sure. We, we want to have Jeff on because I think he brings a very unique perspective entering the 2022 season. Jeff was on the staff for what, four years? Four seasons, yep. Four seasons. Actually, Go ahead, Don. I actually did not know that Jeff left until you told me he was going to be a, a guest <laughs> on the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. So I I'm mean, just kidding. Jeff, I'm used to seeing Jeff running around with recruits every time I'm on campus. So yeah. it was a little different. I didn't see the, uh, the flowing locks. Yeah, uh, for a few months. The, the you know, I've grown them out since since I uh, resigned from the program. But um, you know, maybe maybe I'm making a football comeback. Who knows? All these leagues are popping up: CFL, XFL. You know, who knows? That's who right. Knows? And so I wanted to have Jeff on. I've been kind of waiting to do this interview, waiting for the right time where I thought it'd be the the best time to have him on because, like I said, a very unique perspective because he played at Carolina. First of all, um, you were. You coached under Larry Fedora. You coached three seasons under Mac Brown. You know the defense inside and out. You know the differences between different defenses that, that Bateman ran at UNC. And, of course, you played under Chiswick. And Gene Chiswick is now UNC's defensive coordinator. We're definitely getting to all that. We're getting to a little, like, recruiting aspects of, of your job at UNC and just general recruiting stuff because you were inside the program. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about the 2022 Tar Heels and, and this defense and what you expect out of them. So a little bit of a – Jeff Schottmer show, but a little bit more of a, um, you know, 2022 preseason show with some recruiting um, thrown in. So, Jeff, let's you left UNC, I guess, in what, December, January. Talk about your decision um, to leave the staff. Um, well, actually, first, what was your role at UNC and then the decision to leave your staff and kind of move away from football? Yeah, so I, uh, I started I got my first start in coaching in 2018 under Coach Fedora, who I can't thank enough. You know, he I played for him for four years. He offered me a scholarship. He led us to the ACC championship. He did great things at Carolina. So first and foremost, I can't say enough good things about Coach Fedora. We still have a great relationship, with, great relationship to this day, as do a bunch of the players that played for him. So I know coaches get fired and the nature of the business is crazy, but um, I just want all the fans to know out there that we should be appreciative of him and uh, how he guided us through a kind of crazy time in, in Carolina sports. But um so just first and foremost, thanks to Coach. But um, so I, I GA'd for two years, 2018, 2019, when Coach Brown got hired in fall of 2018. He kept me on the staff, and I'm 
enormously thankful for him for that as well. And then after one year of graduate assistant, an analyst role uh, opened up. So the last two seasons, 20 and 21, I was an analyst, which, you know, that's the, the, the word in college football, you know, between um, a GA and a, a full-time position coach, you know, the, the word, you know, analyst, what, what it exactly entails, what your job entails. It's, it's different from each program, but uh, at Carolina, I was really, I was working with the linebackers, but um, I was really the last two years working, doing special projects that coach Bateman wanted me to do. Um, whether it was third down studies, whether it was um, studying others, other offenses or getting, getting ahead, um, you know, say first week we opened up Virginia Tech, you know, I would already be watching Georgia State, um, Florida State, whoever was, you know, leading up to or the next couple of weeks. So um, just any, really any project that, that Coach Bateman had me do, um, you know, that was kind of my role. And then obviously helping Coach Thigpen in the day-to-day with the linebackers. But, um, yeah, that was, that was my role the last two years, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so, so what went into the decision to, to leave? I mean, obviously, when you become a coach, the goal is to maybe become a position coach, work your way up, maybe become a coordinator, essentially a head coach. That's kind of the path a lot of people want to follow yeah. or, or stay a position coach for, for many years and make a lot of money. What was your decision process and just kind of deciding to, to leave football? How old are you? Late 20s? 28. 28. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So the first thing I'll say is the coaching profession is, is really hard. And I know there's a lot of jobs you know, current world that are, that are hard and that have taken a toll by, you know, the COVID madness and stuff. But uh, the college coaching profession has really, has really gotten out of control, not out of control, but it's, it's, it's strenuous. It's time consuming, like it always has been. But, you know, I just kind of weighed my priorities. When I first got into coaching, you know, I was hell bent on, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a national championship head coach at North Carolina. You know, that was when I first got into the profession you know, I attacked it just like I attacked playing. I wanted to be, you know, very good at my my job. And, um, you know, over the course of the years, I, I just – some things kind of drew me away from the industry. Um, the, the number one thing was just the, the time away from your family and friends. So we got to be very appreciative and respective of all these coaches that are currently out there because they spend way more time with, with the players than they do their own families. And I know everyone knows that, but I just want to reiterate how – how much time they spend away from their families and trying to, you know, put a good product on the field to help the university. So they're all obviously always trying their best. I know, you know, some, some coaches have better, you know, track records than other and, and do well and some don't do as well. But um, I think the number one thing for me was just the, the time commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, I was fully invested during my time there, but I, you know, I just, I've been in sports my whole life. I've, ever since kindergarten through I got to college and then played one year professionally and then got into coaching, you know, football has been my whole life. So I wanted to see if I could do something other than football and I'll do a little plug for my company currently. Um, so I'm working in Dallas, Texas as a uh, wholesale insurance broker um, in the oil and gas construction space. So um, it's, it's a job that I had no background going into six months ago, but I've learned a bunch and um so essentially what we do is our clients are insurance agents. So any retail agent, you know, that's out there that, you know, represents general contractors, um, electrician, HVAC guys, street and road contractors, um, 
oil oil um, contractors, you know, people that work on oil rigs, et cetera. You know, that's that's the type of business we go after. So it's it's been a complete 180 for me, but uh, it's been a lot of fun to learn. So you're an oil broker, is that right? Or what was the insurance well, aspect of that? It's so wholesale, uh, wholesale casualty broker. So we do like the general liability insurance. Insurance, okay. Um, for you know the the construction space and energy space, energy space, which is oil and gas. So gotcha. And you're back in your hometown of Dallas. Back in Dallas, but you know we we do work all over the U.S. So North yeah. Carolina retail agents, I'm coming for you. Let's, it's let's uh, you're in Dallas when you're not on a bachelor party with the the bros of your era <laughs> at UNC, which I love to give you a hard time about. Yeah. That, uh, the whole Mitch Trubisky, Brand Fritz, Prol, uh, Cole Holcomb era. Holcomb, anyway, yeah. those are my boys. Shout out, shout out the boys. That's right. Uh, the Dallas part maybe leads to what Don want to talk about. Don yeah. want to talk about you being a walk on. Yeah. So I wanted. To, so in preparation for this, I went back. I don't know if you know this, Jeff, at all, but for I I don't even know how long I've been doing this. Every year. In July, usually I do a meet the walk-ons. I get the list of walk-ons, do all this research, which in a lot of cases is very difficult to find stuff on. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to find your version just because when I did it, it was when we were with scout.com and the merger and everything came over, but I did. Um, So I was actually, because one of my questions to you was how did you end up in North Carolina? But reading this great meet the walk-ons it actually makes a whole lot of sense now because your dad played at duke yeah. your your mom played tennis at wake forest at the time your brother was a baseball player at wake forest so how did your family i guess i should ask how did your family go from north carolina to dallas and then back to north carolina at least in your case in your brother's case yeah so my my mom is from goldsboro north carolina oh wow okay Two five two, shout out. Um, so, and and her her mom and dad both went to Wake Forest. So she's you know she's North Carolina through and through. Uh, my dad originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and then obviously went and played. He played football and uh, baseball at Duke. Um, and then so he he went to Duke Law after he graduated undergrad, um, and then took like an intern summer internship with a law firm in Dallas after he graduated. Um, so that's, that's, that's how we got to Texas. Um, okay. But so, and so the other thing was, uh, I have down here 400 hitter in baseball. Um, from my understanding, you have some connections, golf connections to a pretty good golfer. Tell us a little bit about that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, so I played football, basketball, baseball all the way through high school up until my senior year and even through my senior year. So I think that's a little bit. I'm a little bit biased why I didn't get a you know scholarship offer for football or a power five offer, you know, out from high school. You know, I was playing football, basketball, baseball year round. I wasn't really weightlifting. You know, I was always going to the next sport. So when I was in high school, I was 185 pounds. I was playing safety. I wasn't playing linebacker. Yeah, um, I have you down as 6'2", 190 safety. And yeah, you end up being a linebacker. First, my first, I think, official. And you know how you, you always lie on the, on the, on the yeah. roster about your weight so i think my first official weigh-in at carolina was like 187 um you know and i was recruited as a safety like i came in as a safety i remember meeting coach withers coach davis and they wanted me to play safety they had you know some bigger safeties deontay was big uh uh trey boston was big you know so 
I was like, I could, I could, I could play safety. But then, you know, once you get on campus and you start eating a little bit and you just naturally gain weight, things change. But uh, back to your original question. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Uh, yeah, I grew up with Spieth. Um, you know, I've known him since kindergarten. We played football, basketball, baseball. Um, we would, you know, play every sport. He was a really good athlete. Uh, he, he was a little left-handed uh, shooting guard in basketball. He's a left-handed pitcher in baseball, a good little slap hitter. And then he played quarterback for us on the football team up until I think seventh grade. Um, but, you know, he played on our summer AAU baseball team. You know, he was a great athlete. And, and then he didn't start playing golf full time until I think fall of seventh grade. But he, oh, he, wow. still, he still continued to play basketball in our middle school um you know he was he was a stud athlete and but I remember in I think it was in seventh or eighth grade our our head football coach he he also was our health teacher he went and played golf with Jordan on like a random Sunday just because Jordan was starting to get notoriety as a golfer and he came and told our health class the next day he was like he said guys one of your classmates is going to be like the next Tiger Woods and like seventh and eighth grade, we're all like, yeah, yeah, that's whatever. Like, we don't really know. But I could tell the, the girls definitely had interest in that. They're like, okay, he's the next Tiger Woods. I'm going to, I'm going to go try to hang out with Jordan. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. Of so, course. so Ross is now going to pick up golf. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, yeah, so PGA, uh, he's won a bunch of stuff, but PGA tour golfer, Jordan Spieth, uh, yeah, high cool. school teammates with Jeff. So, how many years were you walk on before you got a scholarship? Uh, one season. Okay. Was oh, that 11? Wow. Was it 11? Yeah. 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 You redshirted 11 and then played yep. 12 through 15. 12 through 15. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't do justice on your intro. I mean, Jeff was a starting linebacker for the 2015 team, which was the, the ACC coastal champion became, yep. you know, off of, you know, one play away from beating Clemson in the ACC championship game. Um, in the 11 and three year, of course, with Mark Reese Williams and Switzer and, uh, Elijah hood. Who's TJ Logan, Matt Collins. Logan. Yeah. And then on, on, Shad, MJ Stewart. Yeah. Stack team. That was a fun team. That was my first year in, in Chapel Hill covering the heels. So, um, all right. So it brings us back to now and kind of getting into the current era, the Mac Brown era. Briefly, I want to talk about Jay Bateman's defense and, and kind of, you know, I don't know if, how much you want to go into, but kind of what do you think kind of went wrong? You were inside the building and you were there in every meeting. What do you think was the disconnect between between the UNC defense, Jay Bateman, and maybe why the product on the field wasn't where it should have been, resulting in ultimately a split between Bateman and, and Mac Brown at UNC. Yeah, the first thing I'll say about Bateman is he's one of the, the most brilliant defensive minds I've ever been around um, as a player or a coach. You know, I was around, you know, a bunch of defensive minds when I was my five years playing at Carolina. Then I spent one year in New Orleans with the Saints and – you know, I was around Dennis Allen now, who's the head coach of, of the Saints. You know, I was around Aaron Glenn, who is the defensive coordinator for the, the Lions. Um, and, and Coach Bateman was as smart or as brilliant as any of those guys. So first, I want to give him him credit. And, uh, you know, when he was at Army, he was a he was a Broyles Award nominee or finalist. I think, you know, you don't just go from, you know, that high of a pedigree and just all of a sudden just lose your instincts to be a coach or lose your wit um so he's he's a brilliant guy um and i don't want to get too far into it but here's what i'll say is uh sometimes and i i, I use this analogy in, in life okay so 
you know, a, a couple are dating or married and they have some, they have some good times and some good years, but they have some struggles. And then ultimately they get divorced because they weren't meant to be together or for whatever reason. And we, we had some good times with Bateman. If you would, if you watch the last NC state game up until the last five minutes of the yep. game, that Quite was one of the, great. that was one of the best yeah. performances of the season. Or if you, if you watch the last, uh, I don't know, the first three quarters of the pit game, Versus a pit mm-hmm. offense that no one could stop. You know, our team is. I, I always think about the Clemson game the year, the season prior. 2019. Yeah, Clemson. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that the mark of a great defense is consistency. And for whatever reason, we were up and down because we had yeah. performances where we played really well. And there was times when we didn't. Um, and, and, and look, I'll say something here. I think if the state game and the pit game go differently and the ball bounces the right way in both those games, Babins still might be here and UNC's what will be would be eight and five or eight and or nine and four. You know, those are two games, including some other ones that could have gone either way. So that's just how close it is with with, you know, that a state meltdown was such a just a deflating morale thing for I think the whole team. And so that might have been when those last two games were, were huge. And then the South Carolina game, obviously. Did not go well. Sorry, continue if you, yeah. if you have anything else. No, to add. I mean, you know, I, I kind of went, went through it during my playing career in terms of, you know, a, a defensive coordinator either leaves or gets fired or um, however that went down. And, um, you know, a new one comes in and, and you feel rejuvenized as a, as a staff or not as a staff, as a as a player. And maybe just a, di- a different person at the helm gets some new excitement out of guys or, um you know, they, they have a different outlook. They get a new perspective. They get a second chance, essentially. Um, so, I mean, look, Bateman's, Bateman's doing fine. He's, he's the linebacker coach at Florida. Um, you know, I know he still has a relationship with a bunch of our players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really in the know of what, what's being said in the media. But, um, you know, I, I know the players respected Bateman, and I know the coaches did too. But for what for some reason, you know, you, you got to move on, and, and Coach Chizik is the is the perfect guy to lead our defense. I mean, he's essentially done this before, you know, taking over a program or taking over a defense, um, and at Carolina, he's done it twice. This will be a second time, so he's 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 got the the, the blueprint. Um, you know, he's working with guys that are very familiar. You know, Coach Warren was was here when I was here. He was the the DBX coach, and then uh, you know, obviously he's worked he's worked with Coach Cross before at Texas. And then uh, obviously Coach Stigpen at, at Auburn, and then and then him and Dre have some prior relationship. But um, I'm just I'm just excited that he's back. Um, I love Bateman to death, but you know both guys can be successful wherever they are. So yeah, and so one thing I think I'll also add is that man, the talent right now it was kind of getting there, you know, yeah. in, in 20 and 21. But now the defensive talent, much of which Bateman recruited, and other of course other coaches, Dre Bly and and Cross and, and Mac Brown, honestly, um, that talent's now getting to the maturation point, maturation point where like they can be studs. So it's yeah. almost like Chizik's adopted this defense that was handed to him on a silver platter that does have this next level talent. Miles Murphy's a junior. Des Evans is a junior. Um, you got Tony Grimes is a junior. You have all these, these yeah. players who are a little bit younger, and maybe that's a big reason why it all didn't click for Bateman. Those players weren't where they needed to exactly be, and that's no one's fault, but just it takes takes two or three years to develop as as a as a defense. Don, you had something to add? Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask Jeff because I mean he's probably the best person to ask this. Is just 
the differences from you know and the the approach and also scheme wise between Bateman and Chizik. I mean, what 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 do you for someone who's who who's had a front row seat? Yeah. What's that like? So. I haven't been in the install meetings with Chizik, obviously, since he got there. And he hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2016, I believe, was his last season at Carolina, Mm -hmm. or 2016 or 17. Um, So, obviously, every defensive coordinator that has had success in his career, he's going to reevaluate his defense. He's going to see what current defenses are doing because offenses are are always adapting. So, he hasn't coached a college football game in five years, right? So – Speaking on his defense that it was in 2015, 16, 17, I will say his package is is much smaller than Bateman's in terms of actual calls he can go into a game with. And this is this is not selling you anything really you don't know because you can watch a game and be able to see that. Okay. Um, well, he preaches simplicity. That's that's. Well, I mean, you, you read any of his books, watch any of his um, his clinics. He just preaches simplicity. He, what, does, he does. He what does. do you mean by pa- can you explain what you mean by package for some people who may not know what that means? Yeah. So, in in a, in a certain game plan, right? You'll have you have your first and second down packages. So when an offense is they roll out the first play of a drive, and obviously it's depending on the personnel that's in the game. So if if an offense has eleven personnel in the game, meaning one tight end, one running back, three receivers, which is traditionally the standard for a college offense nowadays um, we have Bateman would have, you know, eight to 10 available calls that he could call with that offensive personnel in the game on first and second down. Okay. Okay. So the Senate, so then say they roll out 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends, or say they're in 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, right? We have different calls based on what personnel the offense has a game and what down and distance it is. So if you have eight to 10 first and second down calls with 11 personnel, and then you have four to five um, calls for 12 personnel or 22 personnel, then that's, you know, roughly 12 to 14 calls. And then that's before you get to third down. Yeah. So third down, obviously you, you might have a couple man pressures, a couple simulated pressures, a couple uh, trap pressures, just whatever you're feeling for that day and whatever the offense is doing that you feel like you can exploit whether it's blocking scheme or, or route patterns. Um, so roughly going to the game, you could have up to 20 calls that, that, that could be in the Rolodex. And just knowing my experience from Chiswick, the one year we played him, and obviously it was his first year as the defensive coordinator, which he kept it extra simple, was we might have run the same front stunt and coverage four plays in a row. You know, whether it's First second, first second down, you know, the incomplete pass incom- or run for one yard. So it's third and nine. And then Coach Chizik calls the same call. He called on first down, which, which that was his philosophy. I mean, he told you guys, keep it simple. We are going to out-execute them. We're not going to beat ourselves in terms of scheme. Um, so I guess that's the, the main difference in terms of the, the density of the playbook. I will say this, the coverages that Bateman and Chiswick are going to run, just like everyone else in college football, there's there's only so many coverages you can run, right? You can run cover one man. You can run cover two, two high safeties. You can run cover three, which, I mean, we're going to run. There's only four, four or five coverages. There's obviously different variations 
in different ways to teach it and different ways to play it, you know, whether your corner is pressed, whether he's off, with the safety's alignment, et cetera. But um, there's only so many coverages in football, right? Coach Chizik isn't coming in and running a whole new coverage system. It's just maybe the communication is different, how they yeah. teach it, the detail that with, with they teach it. Um, a lot of so technique differences. And if you're executing technique at a high level, then you can simplify, simplify the, the scheme and, and be better at it because of how you take on a block, how you tackle, how you, the angles you take, correct. all that stuff, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a football guy answer there, Don. Very yeah. football guy answer. Um, the, the thing that Chizik always used to say was um, it matters or we aren't doing it. So he would, in college football nowadays or in any sport, you get some coaches, and I'm not taking shots at Bateman or any current coach on our staff. I'm just speaking in generalities here. There are coaches that that will do drills and will and will do things that really have no impact or help for the players and their success on the field on game day. They just like to do drills to do drills. Yeah. In terms of okay, here's why we're doing this drill. We're doing this drill. Say it's a, a tackling drill on a short yardage, you know, mock scenario. They're like we're doing this drill for this situation. All right, we're doing a strip drill where we're running from behind and punching the ball out versus we're just going in there and, and punching the ball out. Like, so the best coaches that I've been around, they explain the drill, why we're doing the drill, how it would apply in a game, when you do it in a game, and maybe some, some film to back it up. And so Chiswick was very detailed in that. He's like, you know, if we're going to do something, we're, we're doing it for a reason. Um, And so I think, I think that'll be a, um, you know, I think hopefully a big, big difference for our team. What is Chiswick like as a person? Cause I don't know. He doesn't, you know, he, he seems super sharp, super confident. Like you see, give you words of Chisdom like in person. (laughs) So the, the, the quick backstory about words of Chisdom, which I need to tell Coach Chiswick about this. I don't even know if I've confirmed Uh-oh. it. Um, so when he was in the media after he was coaching at Carolina, he would always send out his words of Chisdom, but he didn't have a, a hashtag for it. And one day he, he sent out like a poll, like what should my hashtag be? And Shaquille Rashad was actually the one that, that came up with words of Chisdom. And so Chiz saw that and used it. And I don't know if he properly gave Shaq the proper credit for that hashtag. And me and Shaq have always laughed about it for the last couple of years because we see it, you know, every day, every week. Yeah, when yeah. He's on tweet. It's words of Chisdom. But come on, come on, coach. You got to give Shaq some love. That's one of your former players. So, <laughs> yeah. So what is what is he like? What's he like when it's just you and him and a player or whatever in, in a room, like all, kind of away from football, maybe like socially? What's the guy like? Uh, he's he's very easy to talk to. You can tell he's very passionate about football. He really most of the most of the conversation you have with him, if you get sidetracked and you're not aren't talking about football, somehow lead back to football. So I guess you could say <laughs> he's a football guy. Um, but he's he's very caring, and I know this cliche is used all the time when a coach coach is asking about your family how they're doing. But that's that's Chizik. Like he's asking, you know, when I talk, I would. I, I kept in great contact with him and he would always ask me how my dad was. Cause he met my dad when I was playing and things of that nature, whether, whether he means it or not, I truly believe he does. But, um, he's, he, he, the funny thing about Chiz is his, his style. When I was playing, he would wear some interesting shirts, you know, kind of like the one I got on. Honestly, it looked okay, like yeah, a, yeah. he would, he would wear these, 
you could tell they were, you know, nice tailored expensive shirts, but the patterns on them would be, you know, maybe like your, your grandma's tablecloth type. type <laughs> it's kind of like the shirts that dads wear on like a holiday vacation, like a vacation to Florida. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you can tell the shirt was nice. It was, it was tailored. It was, he had the cuffs. I mean, yeah. he was a sharp guy, but, and then, so Chiswick with the players is different in terms of, he just had this presence about him when he walked in the room. Yeah. And I, I think I've told somebody this before, but he didn't just have a presence when I, when he was the D coordinator, he didn't just have a presence on the defense. He, you know, he carried over to the offense and the whole team, you know, they, they viewed him as a second head coach because he was a national championship head coach. So, so for someone to do that to coach Cam Newton, to, to coach all the great guys he did at Texas, like he's got the ultimate respect of guys when he walks in the room and he just has this confident presence about him that, that makes guys kind of gravitate towards him. I wonder why he came to Carolina, like even the first time. And then again, like he has no ties to North Carolina. He has no tie. I mean, the, the ties would be a friendship with Larry Fedora. And yeah, he, he, I, wor I he worked for it. Mac. Yeah. Which is kind of random, it random to me. Sorry, I, I agree. I think it's the allure of Carolina, honestly. that I remember talking to him about this, that everyone always thinks that Carolina is like this sleeping giant that could be, you know, a premier program. Obviously, basketball is what – basketball women's soccer i'm gonna give a shout out to my dude anson great pickleball player by the way i used to play pickleball with anson when i was coaching um maybe it's the just it's such a recognizable brand that that some the football coach comes in and he's like well i can make carolina one of the premier football programs yeah. i don't know maybe that's it but i think he did have a relationship with fedora uh -huh. but either way we're, we're thankful that he can because for sure um, okay, so let's get into – I know we're going to ask some recruiting questions at the end. And, and Donna, hop in here. I know I'm more of the team guy. Donna's more of the recruiting guy. So, But, like, all right, 22, we're getting, we're deep in the training camp. We had availability players today. We're actually recording this on Tuesday. It's important to know. This podcast will be released Wednesday, probably Wednesday p.m. or maybe Thursday morning. Um, but the 20, 2022, 2022 defense, you know all the players outside of the freshmen, but you probably helped recruit the freshmen. You know it inside out in terms of the depth chart and roster – what are some things that you're maybe excited about? Who are you excited to see? What are you excited to see on that side of the ball that you're going to be watching for when you watch the games this year? I'm going to say the D-line. Um, it's so cliche to say in college football, and it's said every year in every coach's press conference that we, we want to be able to play 8-12 to 12 at, at, at D-line and not have any drop-off. You know, But truly, I believe this is the year that it could happen. Um, the way, the way that Coach Cross and the defensive staff and Coach Brown have recruited is insane. If we compare them to my the 2015 team I was on, I would say I would take maybe all, all 12 of them, the, the first three lines of the D-line, I would take all 12 of them over our any 12 we had. Damn. Who was a defensive well, lineman in your year? Nas, Nas, Nas right? Nas Nas, Jones. I mean, Nas Jones would be – Nas Jones would start. Nas Jones was a freak. Yeah, but I'm saying like the the third yeah. team guys that are currently on the roster, they're probably more talented than our first team guys. Who else was on that team? Uh, the uh, 15 defense defensive line. Uh, Dewan, Mikey, Mikey, Barr. Um, yeah, Dewan Drennan, Justin Thomason, and yes. and uh, Nas. Tyler Powell, Nas, Tyler Powell, Tyler Powell. We we just we just didn't have any depth. And Aaron Crawford was a freshman. Um, junior, oh, Junior Nunn Conde. 
Yeah, I was uh, Malik Carney might have been a freshman too. Malik Carney was yeah, Malik Carney was young. Yeah. So um, just just the sheer talent that this roster has is pretty crazy. And then they add the kid from uh, Virginia who's who's a really good player for them. Um, oh, Noah Taylor. Yeah. yeah, but just me being around those guys last year, uh, Ritzy. Ritzy is one of the freakiest D linemen I've ever seen. Um, and mentally he's, he doesn't have the D, the D line mentality in terms yeah. of the stereotype D lineman. And I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way, but they're, they're not the brightest of, of, on the defense. It's just true. They, they, they only yeah. have like two or three alignments. See ball, just, get ball, see ball, get ball. And they, they could be very smart off the field, but they just aren't taught football at a level that the safety and the linebackers are. Yeah. They don't have to read as much. They don't have to ID formations, uh, coverages, et cetera. D lineman, right? Ritchie could play safety and be able to communicate and talk. Like that's how bright he is and that's how much he understands football. Um, but just to pair that with his freakish ability and, and his versatility, I think that's a huge thing for a D lineman is the ability to play on the edge, the, debil- the ability to come in, play over the three, and then maybe even play, you know, put him over the center, use his quickness. You know, he's – I expect big things out of him. Miles Murphy's a freak, unbelievable get off. He's he's as funny as they come to love that love that guy's personality. Like, Ritzy and Miles and understanding the defense, they're polar opposites, but they're equally as talented. You know, Ritzy, <laughs> Ritzy, Ritzy as a freshman could be telling Miles, hey, here's what you got. So – um, and then, I mean, I think Des Evans, you were around him a bunch, uh, yeah. and, and came in Rucker. I mean, what are the, about those two guys, anything to add about them? Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the UNC Instagram today and I saw a picture of Des with his shirt off, eating some watermelon or something. He looks, he yeah. looks really good. He looks really good. Um, and he's, he's one of those kids that he wants it really bad. And for whatever reason, the first two years, he hasn't produced as much as his, you know, high school ranking, but. You know, I, I think, and and this year and next, he's gonna he's gonna really take off and and uh, thrive. But uh, Rucker, Rucker, Rucker's a little he's a he's a butch. What do we call him? The butcher. Yeah, he's he's a little badass man. He's strong as hell. He's low center of gravity. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I I think I think we'll actually be able to roll out a bunch of D linemen and play this year. If I was I wanted, I'd love to play behind these guys. I wanted to ask you about Des because, as you said, you know he was at one point a five star, then dropped to a four star, but still was like a top one hundred prospect. And I mean, you see him in person, like you look at him on paper, and then you see him in person, and it's just like you're like blown away. Like every time I went to his high school, blown away by just physical gifts. He's explosive, all this sort of stuff. Why hasn't it translated yet? Because a lot of other guys who have similar tools, you know, they it they're able to get by you know, even initially just off of that athleticism. Right. That's, that's a great question. Um, I think maybe a little bit of it um, could be, could be his, his weight issues his freshman year. So he wasn't physically ready to play in terms of his weight. Obviously he has length, size, mm-hmm. speed, but you know, to, to be able to hold up as a defensive end, you have to be physical. Like I can remember, uh, the Florida state game in 2020 at Florida state, he just was getting whooped by their, by their offensive tackle in the run game. Like he just wasn't physically ready to play. And so I know some, some fans might think that coaches have no idea what they're doing. They get this five-star recruited and why is he not immediately starting? Well, 
he still has, to, he, he needs to develop a little bit. And there's not all these, you know, freshmen that come in ready to play right away. There, there are some, yes, mm-hmm. but some just need more time to develop you know, than others. I think he was a little raw athletically because he was still growing into his body. Like mm-hmm. almost like Gumby-ish a little bit, like a baby deer in terms of like, he was still like gaining control of his limbs. Like Dez was, I remember recruiting him in high school. Like he was skinny as hell. Yeah. He, he was just had this ginormous frame where you knew you could put weight on him. And I think he's finally to that point. So look, he's a junior. He's got two more years in eligibility. Like I don't, we get so frustrated and so hype of like, these freshmen have to come in and be freshman all Americans because they're a top 10 recruit right away. Like each person, each player has their own path to, you know, to you know, their potential. And you can't, you can obviously try to rush it and expedite it, but some people take different, different uh, times to develop. So that's a great life lesson. Go ahead. It go is. Ahead. Stop, stop comparing yourself to all these other people, you know? Yeah. Ross, Ross, Ross is still developing. Yeah, look, Ross, look. Ross, don't compare yourself to Kirk Herbstreit because in 10 years, you <laughs> might even be better than Kirk. That's yeah, what well, yeah, I mean, look, I'm 36, unmarried, no kids. All my friends have kids and big houses, and I'm here hanging out with Don Callahan on the Scoop podcast. So you, can, you, write, your, you write your own journey. <laughs> you know, it's your own path, and that compares to um, – we like to do a lot of, you know, compare uh, – dating and life advice to how it relates to football and recruiting and stuff. So that's another great example of, you know, these freshmen come in, they're five stars, they expect them to be immediate contributors and on the line, especially defense, offensive line, those players don't get to a point where they can really be contributed to their juniors and even sometimes seniors or redshirt seniors. So um, yeah. that's a great point there. Well, that's what, that's what um, I took a lot of heat because I said, Zach Rice, um, the, you know, the, the odds didn't favor him playing as a true freshman, you know, but, but in reality, and I've been charting this for years, most freshmen don't play very much and there's a good chunk of them don't play at all, no matter how good they are. Mm-hmm. And so it just takes some time because there's a huge step up with um, you going to college. Great example. Cole Holcomb and Jeff Schottmer. Cole Holcomb go. came in so skinny and look yeah. at him. He's a starting middle linebacker for the, the Washington commanders. Yeah. So just everybody develops different rate. I mean, look at look at Tony Grimes. His freshman year, he didn't start playing until late in the season. Then he has this great game, and, you know, we play at Miami. Mm-hmm. He has a pick, you know, on national TV. But the first 10 weeks of the season, we didn't rely on him at all, mm-hmm. right? But he's getting so many valuable reps from training camp and then those 10 weeks of practice and then sparingly in the games and then, you know, special teams that he was able to blossom, you know, in the Orange Bowl and then beyond that, so – you know, it's, we need to stop rushing these guys. Yeah. We okay. We're going to have to get out here in a little bit. A couple more questions. I want to hit on linebackers real quickly. You were in that room. There's yeah. five, there's five um, linebackers on scholarship right now. Quickly. What do you see out of those guys? I mean, we're expecting big things out of power. I know that. I, yeah, definitely. I think first it starts with said gray. Um, he's, he's the leader of the defense. He's the alpha He's a badass. He's he's the prototype that the NFL wants nowadays. The 6'2", 6'3", long arms, can run, can cover, can blitz, can tackle in space. He's not the 240-pound, 250-pound Dwight Hollier-looking linebacker. Shout out, Dwight. <laughs> he's the – he looks like Fred Warner. He looks like Cole. They're long and skinny. Like, I remember when I was – my short cup of teen NFL, I asked the linebackers, like, what their weight was. They're like, we don't get above 230. So you see all these kids in high school now, they're like, oh, you got to be 230, 240, play linebacker. No, you don't. Because are you going to cover 
uh, pedal away in space on an angle route out of the backfield? No. If you're 240, you're not covering them. If yeah. you're 224, there's a better chance. So the, the, the game has evolved. So said Gray is the prototype linebacker right now. He's going to have a huge year. If he's not on the first or second team all ACC, I'll shave my head. I'm going, I'm <laughs> going on record saying that. Uh, Power Eccles has the best hit timing I've seen in a linebacker. Um, in terms of his ability to put his foot in the ground and hit somebody and snap his hips and deliver power is like the best I've ever seen of someone up close. And, it, and it, what helps him so much is because he's not the biggest guy. He's 5'11", probably, mm-hmm. 220, but he hits harder than probably anyone I've ever been around at linebacker. So, And he, he practices harder than anyone I've ever played, maybe besides MJ Stewart. MJ Stewart was a dog in practice, but Power Eccles at the linebacker position is, is up there with him. And he was as a true freshman, which is crazy to see. Um, Ra-Ra is – so damn fast. I haven't seen him in eight months. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's developed weight wise, but that guy's a, that guy's a weapon. He needs to rush the passer. He, he needs, he needs to yeah. play some because he's, he's talented, but he is behind two very, 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 very talented linebackers. Yeah. My, my question is how are they going to use him this year? Cause you know, he was a freshman last year. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering like, are they going to roll him out in some packages? Obviously he's the backup. But I'm interested to see how Chiswick uses him because I think you're right. He can be in a couple packages, come in and get 15, 20 snaps a game on certain third down scenarios. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think pass rushing primarily in terms of whether he's one-on-one with a back or they put him on the edge and try to beat a tackle, um, just be able to use your speed. Or another way I'd like to see him used is we get in a bare front in terms of we put five guys up on the line of scrimmage to essentially cover up all the offensive linemen and then have him as a stack backer. So essentially he's not going to get touched. He's just mm-hmm. flowing the ball, playing high school football, backyard football, just see ball, get ball. Um, but I think his ability to blitz and um, just run sideline to sideline and Chizik will, will come up for something for him, but obviously go, go make plays on special teams. Yeah, I remember Zach Brown before he was the starting linebacker. He was the gunner on punt, blowing up people, blowing up punt returners, making big plays before he even hit hit the field. And then when he when he saw the field, he was a second round draft pick. But he didn't start for four years, so so don't get frustrated if Rawra's not on the field. You know, ninety percent of the snaps. He's he's another guy that's developing. He's he's got all the skills in the world, but he's still developing. So don't rush him. Yeah, um, and then. Cheeks, I've heard nothing but great reviews about him. Unbelievable kid, comes from an unbelievable family. I mean, if he didn't, if he doesn't go to the NFL, he could run for president. Um, and then um, Deuce Caldwell. Deuce, Deuce Caldwell, another another. I think he's going to be a stud. He he was a safety that grew into a linebacker. I think those end up becoming the best linebackers. The guys that come from the back and transition, they gain weight, they get bigger, and go to linebacker because they can see everything so much better and they're so so much used to playing in space and in coverage that it just only helps them as as a linebacker and the game as a linebacker nowadays is more coverage and blitzing than than you know taking on double teams and and fullbacks and and that sort of thing yeah don do you want to ask any recruiting questions in yeah, terms just, of, of, of jeff's role when he was on staff is that kind of yeah yeah i just wanted to because you, t- you talked a little bit about what you did as an analyst as far as you know, the actual football stuff. But yeah. as I mentioned, you did a lot from a recruiting standpoint. What did you, what was kind of your responsibility through the years when you're on staff? Uh, yeah. So it, the main thing was like, 
when we had official visit weekends, I would be assigned to a family. Okay. Like, like the Cheeks family, for example, the Deuce Caldwell's family. Um, you know, I, I'm assigned to them from the moment they step foot on campus or the hotel to the moment they leave and get back to wherever they are. Um, and I'm with them from an hour before they wake up till I drop them off at the hotel, whether it's past midnight or whatever. So I'm with them all weekend long. And then, um, you know, taking them to and from dinners, photo shoots. I'm essentially like the liaison. Obviously I, I can speak about Carolina. I can speak about the coaches. I can speak about my experience. So I felt like I was a good asset in that, in that, um, in that role, just, you know, I, I told them, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I love my experience at Carolina. So obviously every review I had of Carolina was pretty glowing, but you know, I, I kept it real with them. If I, if I, you know, if they asked me a question, I would, I would tell them what I thought um, just because I would want someone to be honest with me, but you know, I, I got close with those families. Um, but th that was the biggest thing when they came on campus, I was essentially like with it. I was like Alex white. I was, she was the coordinator of everything, but I worked hand in hand with her. She would always assign me to, you know, one of the bigger recruits that we really wanted and, you know, go just be yourself and try to try to get them to come. Outside of visits, what did you, what did they have you do recruiting wise? Uh, I would always, you know, I'd be evaluating the players. Um, mm -hmm. we, would, we would watch them as a staff and we'd kind of go around the room and everyone get, would give their opinion on the player. So that way you get, you know, six, seven, eight opinions. And then we kind of come to one consensus on a guy. Um, but really just on-campus recruiting, junior days, high school camps, official visits. Um, and then obviously one of the years I worked there, it was during COVID. So we really didn't have any recruiting yeah. on campus, which was, which was crazy. But, you know, I would keep in contact with them when they weren't on campus as well, because I was allowed to text them, call them, et cetera. So, yeah. Ross still, I'm still around. on, but my computer's about to die. So I got to plug us back no. in before I, otherwise we'll lose the whole, um, okay. lose, lose the whole file. Yeah. Yeah. Only Ross. Uh, well, this only happens with Ross. That's not true. Hey, Ross, I'm not re-recording this, so exactly. Yeah. That's my fear. So that's why I'm doing this. Get it, get it um, yeah. So, um, you got any more recruiting questions, Don? No. Uh, well, did you um, before we go? You have any interesting recruiting stories that you want to share now that you're out of the business? <laughs> uh, let me think. Um. I think the, mm, I don't know. I, I, I got to think about that more. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have you back on. I got a, yeah, I, got yeah. a, I got a question for us to get out of here. And I hope everybody's listening to this. We've gone longer than probably have ever gone with a, with a guest. We usually have parents on, uh, Jeff, or, or players. And obviously, we, we thought you deserved a, a good 30, 30, 45 minute interview. But I want a story about, I want two stories. I want a Mitch Trubisky story that no one's heard. Because look, he's a Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback, so this might go viral. And then I want a Cole okay. Holcomb. I want a Cole Holcomb story that no one's heard. It can be something little, but I know you know those guys really well. You've been on bachelor parties, bachelor weekends, weddings, all that stuff. What, what do you have on Trubisky? Um, you, know, you know, very po could be a positive, funny story. Just anything you can tell us. Let me think. Uh, Just, here's oh, I got I got a good one. Okay. So Trubisky, this was maybe. 2014 or fifth, maybe 2014. No, maybe 2015. He he is of age. He's 21, and there was a band that used to always come to Pantana Bob's called Liquid Liquid Pleasure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you, I mean, if you're in Chapel Hill, you know you know who they are. You know, a, a great band. 
get everyone up dancing. They play all the throwbacks. They can play current songs, et cetera. But we're out one night and on the Bob's dance floor, there's the band playing. There's, you know, 50 to 60 guys and girls dancing right in front of the band. And then there's a row of chairs right by the window at Bob's. And Mitch is sitting on the chair, had a couple of drinks that night, and he is passed out with his asleep in the chair with the band playing right in front of him. <laughs> and it, it, we, we got a video of it. You know, we, we pan to the band that's playing crazy yeah, loud yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. And it, then you pan to Mitch and he's asleep. And it was pretty impressive that he's able to sleep through that. So maybe, maybe that's why he's such a good quarterback because he can stay so locked in and so focused on what he wants to do. So yeah, he can erase um, all, all the distractions. Yeah. Wow. He's just locked in. He wanted to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep despite all this, this madness around me. Do you think he's, um, you think he's a starter for the Steelers? Like, you talk yeah, to him about that kind of stuff? He's the starter. Okay. Yeah, that's he's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's getting – I mean, I'm sure everybody is, but I'm glad he's getting another shot at being a starter. And look, yeah, he, he, he's, but, he's in a great headspace. He's He's got some weapons. And he, here's the other thing. I don't know if we can talk gambling on this, but you can cut it out if, if not. We can talk anything you want. Yeah. And now, now I can talk about gambling because I'm not affiliated with anybody anymore. If you're going to bet one thing on the NFL this year, bet Steelers over seven and a half wins. You get it even money. Mike Thomas, <laughs> ne- Mike Thomas never had a losing record. So all they got to do is win eight games and you can put however much money on and you can earn, you know, good amount. Yeah. So And, and I like fun. I like Najee Harris at the running back there. I mean, second year, Najee Harris, legs are fresh. I think that's like when you're the best is like your second, third year as a running back. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Cole Holcomb. I mean, I, Cole Holcomb was like, I mean, I just can't believe this guy. He led UNC in tackles for three years. He kind of came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, he's like a stud you, uh, middle linebacker in the NFL. You got, I, mean, I know he's your boy. I know you all trained together a lot in the offseason yeah. when you were coaching. Well, anything about him? Any, any funny story? I mean, the guy seems like a maniac with the getting married with a mullet and everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the guy very well. He, uh, he's a gr- great dude. I mean, he's one of those guys that – and this is another cliche, but if if I needed a shirt off his back, he would give it to me for sure. I mean, he's he's one of those guys, salt of the earth guys, and he's funny because he's completely different person off the field than he is on the field. You know, people talk about flipping that switch. Like he's a complete psycho on the field, but off the field, he's got this like kind of kind-hearted side that you wouldn't really see in a not that you wouldn't see in a linebacker, but he's able to flip the switch. Um, the story I'll tell about Cole is, so I'm throwing Caleb Presley in there. So we were in Vegas for a bachelor party. Right. And, you know, if, if, uh, if Caleb, you know, was losing some hands in blackjack and didn't want to go to the ATM to get more money out, he would just ask Cole for Cole bucks. So instead of, you know, so Cole would just lend him some chips or some money because, Caleb was like, Cole, look, you're going to sign a big contract this, this off season. So just give me some cold bucks. I promise you all repay. All money has been repaid, but that's, that's the running group or the joke around our group is if we need some money, we just say, can we get some cold bucks? So, but and, once again, Cole's, Cole's given his money in, in a, in a good way, not, not a bad way. And that's of course, Caleb Presley, backup quarterback at UNC who currently works for Barstool, another guy in that crowd. Awesome stuff. Uh, Jeff, anything else, anything to add, Don? You good? No, I'm glad Jeff came on. It's good to uh, catch up with him. Yeah, and we're, we'd love to have you back on at some point, maybe something, Absolutely. a couple games into the season, we can kind of break down some stuff, but we'll be yeah, in touch. Jeff, really appreciate your time.
Appreciate you guys. Always good to see you. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right, bro. See y'all. See you guys. And we're back. Don, Jeff Schottmer, we interviewed him. <laughs> we recorded this Wednesday. We interviewed him Tuesday. We're talking about him now. Awesome interview. Jeff's a buddy of mine. I covered him at UNC. I knew he'd be great for, for kind of the media aspects. So we're going to try to have him back on a bunch. But what I liked about that interview was that he was able to explain things about Bateman and Chiswick and UNC's scheme and players in a way that was easily to consume for, for fans who are very football-focused, but also fans that you know, more casual fans that are trying to learn more about the game. I didn't play football. There's a lot of things that I learn when I talk to coordinators and players and, and coaches that um, expand my knowledge. So I think he did a good job of explaining it at a level that was understandable and making it a little technical and a little deep, but not too deep. What'd you think? I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head. I think he was, he was good about what he explained with all those different things. I love the stuff about the differences between Bateman and Chiswick. We get that question all the time um, on the message board. So it's good to have someone who probably has the best, best seat possible to answer that question. Yeah. And he also gave, because he played for Chiswick. Play for Chiswick. Coach under Bateman. Yeah. So he knows both personally, and then he's a middle linebacker. Yeah. So he knows the defense. Sorry. And and the thing, too, that I loved that he explained here's my, here's what I I took away from Chiswick. But keep in mind, this was so long ago, and defense coordinators evolve, which I think is really big because I think everyone, because, you know, there's been a mess. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to hate Bateman now because Bateman's no longer here. Um, but I think everyone's like, well, of course, Chiswick's going to be an upgrade because he won two national championships. But the fact of the matter is, is that if coaches don't evolve, and I don't know if Chiswick has or hasn't, I think he's going to lean on, on Warren a lot to yeah. make sure that he has evolved. So it's probably not going to be an issue. But there have been tons of stories of coaches who were really, really good and then just fell off, fell off a cliff because they didn't evolve. Look at Chip Kelly. Absolutely dominated, built Oregon into what it is now. Oregon was was not that was not the program that it is now before he he was there. He goes to UCLA, and they're what an average you know Power Five program, and he hasn't been able to do a whole lot. Now, did he all of a sudden become a bad coach? No, he hasn't really kind of evolved, you yeah. know, like like he needed to. Um, so, so yeah, so it, I think it, I, I like that he mentioned that, but I like just you know as you said that he he explained things, and it wasn't just as you say, football guy talk, it was a little bit more of actual hard evidence sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what he, obviously he is close with Bateman. So he wasn't going to say anything that bash Bateman or bash defensive coaches. I just think that talent that Bateman had wasn't able to perform to the level that everybody wanted it to. That was probably one of the issues along with some communication issues within the coaching staff, or just, there was some disconnect between, what Bateman maybe wanted and what kind of happened. So that was the issue. And hopefully that stuff gets fixed under Chiswick and the simplicity of Chiswick's scheme, which has been the focus throughout training camp and obviously was brought up by, by Jeff a lot, was um, it's, it's simple. It allows players to perform, and they're not going to be overloading them with, with packages that confuses them and makes them think a lot more. It's very simple. It's a simple game. I think – Mac always says this, it's a simple game played by compl- complicated people or something like that, where football is very simple, but we just overcomplicated it through all these different aspects. So that was cool. And then you love what he says about Evans and, and Ritzy. I talked about Ritzy last night on the Beat Podcast. I think Ritzy's going to have a special, special year. I name-dropped you, Don, on the, on the Beat Uh-oh. Podcast because I said 
when we were covering Ritzy on the scoop two years ago, you remember, remember, um, God, what's the guy's name? National reporter, 24 seven sports, our buddy from Indiana. Was it Barton? No. Or you Steve? Yeah. Steve oh, Wolfong. Oh, okay. Steve Wolfong. Steve Wolfong okay. raved about Ritzy's athleticism, the spark rating, the explosiveness, just a freak athlete. So it was good kind of hearing what we thought as recruiting reporters and then seeing kind of where those guys had developed and where they are. And then, of course, we went to pretty depth about the linebackers, which, of course, he coached those guys. I mean, he was in mm. the room with Thigpen, Cedric Gray, Ra-Ra Dilworth, and um, Power Eccles. I think Power is going to be special, too. Yeah, you mentioned the, the simplicity thing, and I think that's the biggest difference between Bateman and Chizik. If, if you've read Chizik's book, if you read any of his clinic stuff or watched any of his clinic videos, that's what he preaches, just making it as simple as possible so that there's very little thinking once you know the, the, the ball is snapped for his defensive players. And um, yeah, I mean, he's won two national championships with that sort of mentality because I yeah. don't think schematically there is a huge amount of difference. I mean, and, and a lot of people I've talked to have kind of said, said the same thing, but I think making it simple is going to be the key. Yeah. And the Jack and the star positions are new because he didn't have that in 15 and 16. So that might be a, a Charlton yeah. Warren addition, but the yes. Jack is essentially a Russian and the star is essentially a nickel. So I don't know why it's called something different. Anyway, Jeff was great. We're going to have him back on, whether that be mid season or maybe something more regular. Uh, we're hoping to kind of, I mean, he wants to do, um, he wants to kind of, stay involved with football and, and media is at least a way to kind of look he's got a lot of talents and knows a lot of stuff about Carolina football so it would be dumb of us not to to use that use him as a resource all right yeah. let's get out of here Don um you had a story for me not the cat story you had another story right did I have another story or did no, you already, no I, oh you already told me that off the air <laughs> yeah yeah that was not an on the air story I could tell all right is the cat story worth telling probably not okay let's I mean it. I'll just go real quick with it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, up in the man tower, up and you've been in the man tower, you can't hear anything from from any of the other floors. Yeah. But I heard that's what makes it the man tower, right? That's right. But yeah, you can't hear your wife going, Don, get down, turn off the flyers. It will. So I heard crazy screaming. And so, and my other cat comes running upstairs, and he usually runs upstairs if someone comes at the door or whatever and hides. That's what he does. So that's what he did. So I'm like, what the, you know, and I, so I get up and apparently my cat was hanging by his tail, by like the, um, you know, the, for the curtains, um, the, the string thing had got yeah. wrapped around. Ah, uh, like the, really so, thin, the very thin strings that there's two of them coming down. Yeah. And so somehow it got wrapped ah. around his tail. And so my wife, so he's freaking out. And so my wife starts freaking out. <laughs> And every time these things happen, my wife's like, where were you? Like, I'm supposed to be there with the cat <laughs> all the time. And so anyway, where it was one you? of those things where everyone freaked out for like two minutes. And then afterwards, we just kind of had a laugh because we couldn't believe. Like, I, I still don't know how this thing got wrapped around this cat. Now, it's a kitten that, you know, he made his, his oh, yeah. uh, podcast debut. Yeah, he's a he's a he's an absolute handful because he's always getting into something. So and this was the latest. So it was dangling from its tail. From yeah. the curtain pull down strings. Yeah. So and it was but so was it was his feet touching the ground? No. Oh my god, that's a pretty funny yeah. visual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um the where were nuts. The where were you part is, is funny. Like yeah, well, I was yeah, up I here, did... I was up here writing about a 20 uh 2025 15 year old boy. What do you think I was doing? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, that's my story. 
Yeah. All right. So awesome. Good stuff. That was, this, this is a good long podcast. We'll be back in two weeks uh, with more scoop, hopefully more team stuff. That will be right before the season starts. Wait. Let me check the old check the old calendar here, Donald. So we'll be back on the hopefully be back on the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Yeah, and that's three four days from the opening kickoff. So if that works for the podcast schedule, we'll have to check with old John Siegel and Tommy Ashley. We'll be back with more scoop then, guys. Long show. Hope you enjoyed it. We will talk to you next time.